Hey, everybody. It's good to see you all here. Would you like to hear a story? All right, you know, we got to get some audience participation here, you know. This will be good. So the story, I'm going to tell you a story about you, okay? So in this story, you are born in the ancient Near East, and you're named Josiah. Stick with me, okay? So you, Josiah, you are actually the son of the king of Judah. And at eight years old, your father dies and you have to take his place. You're an eight-year-old king at that moment in your life. That's crazy. That's crazy, right? So, and then for the next 18 years, nothing much is really recorded about your life, which means you didn't screw everything up as an eight-year-old king, which is crazy. So good job for you, I suppose. But at age 26, you decide that you're going to count the money that's been stored at this temple. You see, in your nation, you have this temple that's been kind of in disrepair, and you've been collecting money there, and it's time to count that money and maybe repair the temple. That's the, that's the good thing that you, King Josiah, want to do, right? Yeah, okay. We're getting there. Yeah, so, uh, but what well, something happens. Something interesting happens when the priest is started just kind of collecting the stuff and kind of going through, you know, all the odds and ends in the temple. He finds something. He finds something called the book of the law. Now, it's said that this book, that the God of your ancestors actually wrote this book. And it was a part of the kingdom for generations. And all your forefathers and different people went through this and they were commanded by God to lead and to act in such a way in accordance with that book. But for the past several, several, several years, the past couple generations of kings, they haven't stuck to that. And then you're just now discovering this book of the law because of what the priest found. And so your secretary, he takes this, this book and he reads it to you. And it exposes the deep disobedience that the nation that you lead is entrenched in. You are, in essence, tolerating and committing every sin in that book. This does not feel good. This is a bad situation, and you're faced with a choice. What are you going to do? I see three options here. One option is to throw it away. Like, I don't got to deal with this. This seems like an old book. I don't think this applies to me. I think that this is pretty irre irrelevant for my life. You might think that. And so you might throw it away. You might, option B, keep it around. And you just think, this, this book of the law, this could be useful occasionally or one day, right? And you just kind of keep this on the shelf. But I don't got to think about it very much, right? Option C is to tear your clothes now, for you in the ancient Near East, this is a practice of grieving, okay? Right? Yeah. It's, a, it's an action of mourning over what's gone on. Maybe you tear your clothes because something tragic has happened to you. And so these are the three options that you, King Josiah, see before yourself when you are faced with this holy book of scripture that has just been read to you. So what do you do? Well, in the biblical account of 
the actual King Josiah, not you, sorry. In 2 Kings, it says this. When the king heard the words of the book of the law, he tore his clothes. Then he commanded, go and inquire of the Lord for me, for the people, and for all Judah about the words in this book that has been found. For great is the Lord's wrath that is kindled against us, because our ancestors have not obeyed the words of this book in order to do everything written about us. So Josiah responded swiftly with humility and with action, understanding that, oh no, we're in a sorrowful place. We're in a bad place. He realized, though, that this was no ordinary book, but it contains the very word and instruction of God, of the God of your ancestors. It is to be taken seriously and meaningfully. And in the account of Josiah's life, in the next chapter of Second Kings, it says this about him. Neither before nor after Josiah was there a king like him who turned to the Lord as he did with all his heart and with all his soul and with all his strength in accordance with all the law of Moses. That verse really gets me. It really makes me just consider this, this action of his to turn to the Lord from a place of total contrast, total unawareness even of who God was. And for him to come face to face with this book and to realize that something needed to change. He turned to the Lord wholeheartedly and in accordance with this divine instruction that had been revealed to him that he had discovered, that God had allowed him to discover, to discover, he made this choice. And so for Josiah and for you, you need to develop a reverence for this word, the, this book of the law that it's talking about. This now applies to the entire Bible that has been assembled by God. It is breathed out by God. And it's his scripture for us. And so this is something that we get to experience. We have access to this. And, you know, whether you're new to faith or not, you have access to a Bible somewhere in your life, right? And so we need to develop a reverence for this word that results in engagement with the word. It's, it's not enough just to sit back and go, oh, that seems like a really good book. Or like in that second option, just so just keep it on the shelf. I'm just going to keep it around, but I'm not going to do much about it. We've got to engage with the word, soak it up, develop a pattern of intake. And in his book, Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life, this writer, Donald Whitney, says, No spiritual discipline is more important than the intake of God's word. Nothing can substitute for it. There simply is no healthy Christian life apart from a diet of the milk and meat of Scripture. So last week we started this series about spiritual disciplines. And you might be sitting here, and you may not identify yourself as a Christian, but I believe that an encounter with the God of the universe, through what we're going to read tonight, through what you can read for yourself in his word, 
that can lead to an experience of humbling submission to who God is and who he says he is in his word. And in Jeremiah 29, 13, it says, God says this, you will seek me and you'll find me. You'll seek me and you'll find me, two different things, if you seek me with all your heart. And just like Josiah, turn to the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your strength in accordance with all of God's word. So engagement with the word manifests itself in several spiritual disciplines, and there are two that I'm going to talk to you about tonight. And so we're going to talk about study and meditation upon the word, okay? And so this, this study and meditation, they are the head and the heart of Bible engagement. Study and meditation are the head and the heart of Bible engagement. What does that mean? Well, in this quote I have here, Robert, Richard Foster says, meditation is devotional. Study is analytical. Meditation will relish a word. Study will explicate it or explain it. Although meditation and study often overlap, they constitute two different experiences. So we see here this head and the heart, this sense of, all right, this is something we're thinking about in study, and this is something we're feeling and experiencing on a heart level through meditation. So those are the two things I want to talk to you about. And in each of those, I want to cover basically the what, what these concepts are. I want to cover the so what, why do these concepts matter, and the now what, as in how do we practice these things. And so we're going to dive into that. Before we do, I want to emphasize the importance of preparation before God, when you are going into an experience of dependent and expectant time in the Word. And so when I have my Bible in front of me, and I try to do this every day, when I put my Bible in front of me, before I read a word, I want to do two things. First, I need to ask God to help me read his Word, because I'm dependent on him. It's not enough for me to seek these things out on my own. And in 1 Corinthians 2.12, it says, Now we have received, not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. God has given you access to his word. And there might be some times when you've read it and gone, this doesn't make sense to me. This is confusing to me. And I've also been there. And there are ways that we can study and meditate on that we'll cover. But God's spirit, God's spirit is the, is the one thing that's going to enable us to discern his scripture, the things that he has freely given us by God. Our understanding of what a text means and what we ought to do with it comes from the spirit of God himself. And so if you're a follower of Jesus, you can, you can be inwardly filled with the Holy Spirit, to discern God's truth. And if you are not yet a follower of Jesus, then you can be outwardly drawn by the Spirit into the truths that God wants to reveal to you personally. And so beyond what I ask God in terms of filling my soul, filling my heart with his Spirit, I also, whenever I open the word, I, I ask him three, four things, four things, and they start with I-O-U and S. I-O-U's. 
That's, that's the thing. I got this, this from John Piper and his, uh, the website that I found an article on from his uh, ministry. And I'm just going to briefly go through these things. These are so important to me. Before I read the Bible in the morning, I ask God, first, incline my heart to your testimonies. Why? Because I'm so easily inclined toward other things besides God, toward myself. That natural inclination is always there, and it's hard to deal with. Incline my heart to your testimonies. Second, open my eyes to see wonders in your word. I am naturally blind by my fallen condition, by my human condition, to the truths that God has for me. Open my eyes to see wonders in your word. Third, unite my heart to fear your name. Unite my heart to fear your name, because I'm so easily just just torn in all these different directions and lost as I, as I go through different things in my life. And it gives me a focus, a unity of soul and of spirit um, to fear his name. And then fourth, satisfy me with your steadfast love. Ultimately, when we come to God in prayer, when we come to God in his word, the goal is for him to be glorified. But as we give glory to God, we find that he satisfies our souls and so I come to God with an expectancy that he's going to in some way satisfy me with the joy of knowing him. And so that's, those are these four things. If you can't get them, then uh, you can ask me after what. So I next want to go into, after that preparatory step that is so important, of asking God to fill us, asking God to move us in his, through his spirit, and perhaps something like those ideas, just to help us to kind of get our mind in a, in a frame a frame of mind that's really going to be focused on these matters. Next is the discipline of study. The discipline of study. You have two blanks tonight. That's not very many. <laughs> I, like, I like having more than that, but this is what we got. So you're, you're welcome you know, to write any other things in the margins as you please. But the first blank is the discipline of study. And this is not foreign to you because you're a university student or maybe you're a Butte College student researching and familiarizing yourself with a subject. This is something that you probably did today, you know? And so that idea of what study is, we, we see it just in our world, and we also see it uh, in Scripture. And so in Ezra 7.10, it says this account about this man named Ezra. For Ezra had set his heart to study the law of the Lord and to practice it and to teach his statutes and ordinances in Israel. And so we see here that this study in the life of Ezra led him to obedience, to practicing these things. And then obedience, that enabled him, and that enables us to be able to lead others, to be able to teach, and to bring others with us in the journey that God is taking us personally on as we study his word. And by way of definition, I suppose. Rick Warren, he's a popular author and pastor, and he wrote this great resource called Rick Warren's Bible Study Methods. He says this in that book, you cannot study the Bible without writing something down. That is the difference between Bible reading and Bible study. That's it. <laughs> he really doesn't make it complicated for us, you know? That is the difference between Bible reading and Bible study. We know how to read all you got to do is write something down and take some notes while you read, and boom, you're studying. You're studying God's Word. Now, I want to make a difference or help us understand some things because 
ultimately the goal of study is to get closer to God. And we can do this in kind of two major formats. One of which is like an in-depth study method where you might spend like a couple hours at a time just soaking up a particular scripture. And you're writing things down and you've got like certain like kind of resources out or whatever. Now, that's something that I encourage any of you to do just on your own time and perhaps a regular basis. But, and perhaps more importantly, I encourage anybody to use a devotional method of Bible study where on a daily basis, you're setting aside that time to read, to prepare yourself, like I said earlier, to read God's word given to you, revealed to you, and to study it in a way that works for you so that you can take some notes so that you can write some things down and learn something new as you dig deeper into that's into his word. In fact, one writer says that reading is like raking God's word and study is like digging. It's like it's harder work, you know, but you got to get in there and it's going to actually reveal things that you didn't see before by just raking across on a broad strokes level. It gets you deeper. So the so what, why is this a big deal? Why is this helpful to us? Well, partially we see that in Ezra's account where it enables us to obedience. It enables us to encouraging other people. But we also see this in an account of the apostle Paul in the book of Acts as he had spoken to a group of Jews. And it says in Acts 17, now these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica, where they had just come from. And they, these these Jews, received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. And we see that bearing fruit in their lives in like the next verse, where it says that many of them came to faith, and they probably had a great ministry, and they probably had a great church as a result of these things that they studied, they examined in the scriptures in an intentional way. And we also see just the narration of Acts 17 says that these people were more noble. It sort of commends them and compliments them as being noble. This is a noble thing to do, to study, to examine God's word and mine it for all it has for us. God has special things that he wants to show you through his word that can only be dug up through that practice of study. So that's some ideas as to how or why we should do that. And I want to now move into a brief description of some, some tools. So for study, we've got study tools. For meditation later, we've got meditation tools. But for study tools, I've got some things written down here for you. And so first of all, I have to mention this, scripture, observation, application, and prayer. Those are four words that spell SOAP if you line them up in a certain way with the first letter. Yeah, it's crazy. And so <laughs> that SOAP method, I probably learned how to do that about 10 years ago when I was in challenge. And I've basically been doing some form of this SOAP method of Bible study every day. For the past, this whole past 10 years, I've been trying to do that every day. And that, some iteration of that is a part of my time with God. And so this basically means scripture as in you're writing down a particular scripture that stands out to you. Observation, you're making observations. You're seeing how, uh, what, are, what are the uh, interpretations here and what do I see in this passage? There's application and where we try to figure, okay, how can I apply this to my life? And then prayer, you just pray a prayer to God 
with regard to what you just heard. There's a lot of people in this, in this room who I think are qualified to teach you how to do a soap if you've never done one. If you're interested in doing one, that's a great method to use for a daily time of spending time with God and his word in study. And then another kind of just sort of resource or a tool that I've found is from this book, Celebration of Discipline. The author lists four things, four other things. Repetition, concentration, comprehension, and reflection. Briefly put, repetition just means consistency in this discipline of Bible study. And concentration means focusing, because it's really hard to focus, you guys. And we got a lot of things, a lot of distractions, right, that are vying for your attention like right now, and especially throughout your time in the Word, and people trying to text you or social media platforms trying to notify you. There's a lot of things going on out there. Or just worries, you know, things that are bogging you down. We need to concentrate in these moments. And there's also comprehension, as in we're trying to understand. We're trying to get the right interpretation of what God says so that we're not twisting it to our own preferences. And then finally, reflection is pondering developing an application. And this is essentially, as we'll see, a step of meditation. And then, as far as other tools, I've listed some study Bibles. Uh, I've used all three of the ones listed here. I think they're really helpful. And I, I list them because these, re- these types of resources kind of offer you some bite-sized commentary to consult as you read through maybe potentially confusing biblical sections. I don't know about you, but I've been in situations where I don't really understand what I just read in the Bible. Have you guys felt that way before? Yeah? You sure? Okay. So we feel that way because it's, it's from like several thousand years ago, and this is really hard to, to deal with, but there are people who have put in more work than you and I to try and understand what these things mean. And so certain study Bibles like these give us a little push in the right direction as we seek to study God's Word. And then fourth is this Bible Study Methods book by Rick Warren. And it has an exhaustive list and description of 12 different in-depth Bible study methods. So those are some tools that you are welcome to check out on your own regarding Bible study. The discipline of meditation. That's what we have next. You probably saw that coming. Now, what is that? What is that? So... Basically, the goal of biblical meditation is that there was something we're meditating on from Scripture. Of course, the word meditation or the word meditate can kind of have a strange, like, this sounds kind of foreign, certainly more foreign to us than the idea of study, right? We study, like, for classes and for tests and things. But what do, what's meditation all about? And often our mind kind of goes to what would be considered an Eastern form of meditation, where the goal is to just sort of empty one's mind of all things, and that's called detachment. Eastern meditation focuses on detachment from personal things and material things. And that's a good start, okay? That in the terms of that detachment from the material, well, biblical meditation as a separate practice, it does detach itself from outside influences for the sake of focus, right? But it does so in order to pursue attachment to God through his truth. And so that detachment in an Eastern meditation practice is just the, it's the, the end result. Whereas that detachment for biblical meditation needs to find its, uh, the end result in attachment to God. 
And Richard J. Foster, again, he says, whereas the study of scripture centers on exegesis, which means interpretation, the meditation of scripture centers, centers on internalizing and personalizing the passage. And so this just helps us to see a better picture of what's distinguishing these two practices, study and meditation. And as described, study has an analytical goal in mind, while meditation has a personal goal in mind. It treats God's word with a sense of emotion even, and imagination as we discern God's unique application for the individual. And so there's a beautiful piece of scripture that helps us to see what's, what could be so valuable about this practice of biblical meditation. And this is found in the first chapter, the first three verses of the first chapter of the book of Psalms, which is the biggest book in the Bible. It's just a bunch of songs, but it's, it's really great. And these three verses say this, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night, constantly, right? Wow. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. And so this is a word picture, obviously, of the kind of life that someone who meditates and delights in God's word experiences. We see various kind of word pictures throughout this. Planted by streams of water, right? It's, it's healthy. It's near its source of life, right? It says it yields its fruit in its season. That means it's productive. Like, you can have a more productive life as a result of this meditation we're talking about. And that, that fruit, that production is an indication, too, of the health of that plant or that tree or that person. And it says its leaf does not wither, right? This does not succumb to decay. Now, you and I, of course, and everything really in life, you know, this, everything succumbs to decay. But 2 Corinthians 4.16 says, So we do not lose heart, though our outer self, yes, is wasting away. Our inner self is being renewed day by day. And so that can, that can happen in your life through this practice of meditating on the word of God. And then finally it says, in all that he does, he prospers. And so faithfulness in and righteousness from God's word causes us to excel in other areas of life. In all that he does, he prospers. And in Matthew 6, 33, Jesus tells us, seek first the kingdom of God. And we can do that through his word. And he says, seek first the kingdom of God and all these other things will be added to you. And so, what do we do about this truth? What do we do about this idea of the value of meditation? Well, in, back in Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life, the author says, after the exposure to scripture, right, through reading, through study. We need to absorb it, right? Picture, picture that tree again, right? It's by the water. It's absorbing that water into its root system, right? Meditation is the absorption of scripture. 
And it's the absorption of Scripture that leads to the experience with God and the transformation of life we long for when we come to the Bible. And so that's the, the, the idea of meditation, as we've seen through other quotes, as we've seen just through just this idea of sitting on, ruminating on a particular idea from Scripture, a particular piece of Scripture. I have some tools for you again that will help to kind of clarify some of these ideas. All of these tools are from that book I've already mentioned, Bible Study Methods. And so to briefly go over these, one of them is to visualize the scene of the narrative in your mind. Guys, there's a lot of stories in the Bible, right? Right? Okay, so, uh, and, uh, and so it turns out if we can just picture ourselves in the midst of that and to kind of understand more just the context of the scene, visualizing that can help us to just meditate on and to process on an emotional level what we're hearing, what we're reading in Scripture. We can also emphasize words in the passage under study. And so he says in the book, read through a verse aloud several times, each time emphasizing a different word. Have you ever done this with a sentence before? Does this sound familiar at all? Where the meaning kind of shifts or not, the meaning stays the same, but we get to experience different kind of facets of meaning as we just emphasize certain words from this piece of scripture that we read. And then the, the next method is to paraphrase the passage under study. As you think on it, you can use contemporary words and phrases to express timeless biblical truths. You can think about maybe writing out like a new header or a new kind of way of reading or writing that particular verse. And that helps you to kind of put your own spin on it, not your own interpretation in a way that takes it away from God's originally intended interpretation, right? But rather, you are contextualizing it for your 21st century self. And then you can also personalize the passage you are studying. And this can be done, you can put your name in, in place of the pronouns or the nouns used in scripture. These are all things that just kind of jog the imagination to kind of help us to experience and to absorb, right, scripture in a way that is going to have a lasting effect. And it's going to create, hopefully, some application in our lives. And I have another tool for you here. It's called Space Pets. And I will always remember the phrase Space Pets because I just think of a little cat in a little astronaut uniform, right? And it's a very, you know, evocative phrase, you know? I like that. So what is Space Pets? <laughs> so this is another acrostic or an acronym, and I think I got it right here, maybe? Yeah. So these stand for different things. If this is too much for you to write down, if you want to write this down, you know, I've got it right here, so you can ask me. Like, it's cool. Also, if you Google space pets, this is it. It's this, okay? You're not going to find anything, any weird stuff, trust me. So just Google it, and you will find these exact nine uh, things. And so what is space pets? Well, basically, you can apply these questions to a text that you might be reading in order to kind of help to understand what it's saying to you. So you ask, is there a sin to confess? Is there a promise to claim? Is there an attitude to change? Is there a command to obey, an example to follow? Is there a prayer that I'm reading here to pray? Is there an error to avoid, a truth to believe, or is there something to praise God for? Because there's different things, and 
like I said, you can look it up later if you need to. And I find these really helpful as I am kind of processing through Scripture in a meditative way. And then the final thing that uh, he recommends, the method, is to pray the verse or passage back to God. You can pray it back to God. And you know, anything you can read in Scripture, it probably has something to do with you know, your relationship to God and how he helps us and how he loves us. And you can pray it to God by asking and acknowledging the great things he does. And so, that's the overview of these two things, of study, of meditation. And just like Josiah, you have a choice to make. Right? Will you reject, and by throwing in the trash, will you reject the power and the joy that comes from the thoughtful intake of God's word? Is that what you're going to do? Will you, option B, casually accept the idea of God's word, without taking the time really to study or to memorize or to meditate or to apply it, any of these different things. You just kind of leave it on the shelf. Or will you tear your clothes and fall on your face with awe, with worship, with humility before just the abundance but also just the overwhelming magnitude of God's words God's words revealed to you. Isaiah 66, 2. God says, my hand made all these things. And so they all came into being. He's like, I'm, I'm superior. I'm over this stuff. I'm God. This is the Lord's declaration. What is it? I will look favorably on this kind of person. One who is humble, submissive in spirit, and trembles at my word. Humble, submissive in spirit, and trembles at my word. I want these things to characterize my life. As I want God to look favorably upon me as his child. He loves you. He loves me. No matter what we do, but God will bless what we do as we study, as we meditate on, as we tremble at his feet through scripture, through his word revealed to us. And then finally, I want to share just an excerpt from, from a book from David Mathis. It should be on the screen. Now, with printed Bibles and electronic options galore, we have, you have priceless access to God's very words to us. Words that we are so tragically tempted to take lightly. Reading your own copy of the Bible daily is not a law that every believer must abide. Most Christians in history have not had that option, but you do. But the habit of daily Bible reading can be a marvelous means of God's grace. Why miss? Why miss this bounty and blessing? What are you going to do? What are you going to do with these things? Let's pray together. Father, I pray that you would use your spirit working in and on our hearts now to draw us to you in whatever way each one of us needs to follow you more deeply, more meditatively. And so, Lord, I pray that now that you would just put things on our hearts that each one of us needs to take away and to apply
And God, I pray that you would give us, use these tools and especially use your word just to encourage us in these matters so that we can have a clearer sense of what to do with these spiritual disciplines before us and how we can just engage with your word for what it is, for the glory of what it is, Lord, that you've given to us freely. We can't express our gratitude for a gift like that, for the opportunity to commune with you through your words, to study and to meditate upon these things. Thank you so much, Father, and I pray that you would use this, this moment and this night to propel us to action that resonates through campus and to the ends of the earth. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen.